When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck. I'm along with my coworker, Jordan Bianchi, and we are motorsports writers here at The Athletic. We are here to talk about the Michigan NASCAR race, which we just finished watching. We haven't talked uh, or compared notes yet on anything that happened, so uh, I'm really interested to get Jordan's takes and um, we'll we'll digest it all. But first of all, Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. It uh, I look forward to talking about this race to you. And as this was unfolding today, I'm like, oh, this is just queuing up for a classic Jeff Gluck rant. I can't wait for him just to go off because I know what he's going to say. We were texting about it a little bit about this race, not the podcast, but this race. And I'm just looking forward to inevitably your rant, which is going to be coming. No, I think you're going to be sorely disappointed. Honestly, I, I really don't. I'm I'm being serious. I don't think there's anything. Uh, there's yeah. no rant coming today. So if you're yeah. if you're tuned in for that, or if you're you're not going to get me. No, you're, it's it's just not going to happen. Okay. Sorry, everybody. I, I think but the the rate the thing about this race is like this is another referendum on the package and what you think about the 750 versus 550 and the style of racing and restarts. I was watching this race, especially late when you had Blaney, William Byron and Kyle Larson battling there. And I, it looked like Kyle, I mean, I think it's fair to say Kyle Larson probably had the fastest car today all day. And it looked like he had a run on Blaney and he couldn't make the pass. I was having flashbacks to last fall at Kansas, Kansas with Logano and Kevin Harvick. And I don't know how I feel about this race because Today's race at Michigan was honestly probably the best Michigan race I've seen in a long time. It had passing. I, I know I just said that the leaders couldn't, you know, you got you couldn't make passes, that kind of thing. But there was passing. It was entertaining. You had drafting. You had a lot of different strategies. You just had a lot of things going on. This, from beginning to end, was one of the more entertaining Michigan races and a recent memory for me. Um, so I liked it in that respect. That said, this is also due to the aero package, which we know how I feel about this and how you feel about this and how a lot of people feel about this. So it's kind of hard to digest both of those things together. At the end of the day, I liked what I saw. And I think if you were a casual fan at best, if you had no idea about aero packages or rules or anything, and you just turned on today's race and watched, I think you were entertained. So, I mean, the reason I'm not going to rant about this is because, first of all, I mean, there's a zillion podcasts that we've covered this exact topic. It's never stopped you before. And, you know, to me, I mean, this is the classic 550 race. I, I think this is exactly what NASCAR wants. This is exactly what they want. They wanted the cars bunched up for most of the race. Um, the top three was in the same camera shot for much of the day. Couldn't get away from each other. Um you know, it didn't matter. NASCAR doesn't care that it's impossible to pass or you can't pass or you need help from somebody else to pass. or You need a mistake to get past or whatever. I mean, they don't care about that. They care that it looks close to me. That's artificial, but it doesn't matter what I think because it's been proven that people do like this. And at the end, thanks to the rain, which they were conservative on that call because of what happened in New Hampshire, I'm sure of it. Um, as soon as they felt a few drops, let's bunch everybody up. And then that turned into craziness at the end. You know, they got their, their restart. They got, um, you know, just wackiness, I guess. Uh, you know, they got a, what, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven car incident. Uh, and then that set up a, a restart to the finish. And, you know, that, that was like a restrictor plate race, which you're going to see next week. Um, or a super speedway race, I guess no more restricted plates, but you get my point. Um, that's what they want. So to, to, you know, 
I think if you're if you're NASCAR, you're high fiving over this. Of course, as we've talked about the 750 Truthers, which I felt like I was one today. Um, they're not going to like this type of racing because they look at this and they go, "This wasn't. This was artificial. This was a facade." That's how I felt for much of the race. Now, my heart got pumping at the end. That the restart toward the end. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the the kind of racing they have to do. It's nutty. It's wacky. Um, and I'm There's sure a it's a too. It's I, exciting. They, it's a restricted. It's a different kind of racing. It's yeah. a it's a super speedway skill. It's not the real traditional type stock car racing skill. Um, it's not the type of racing you saw at Michigan for years. They've successfully turned Michigan into, um, have super speedway elements, which is what they're trying to do for Atlanta. Right. So, um, I mean, I think today was sort of a win for NASCAR. Again, there's those of us who are going to be like, ah, didn't really love how that came about. And it was frustrating to watch faster cars, not be able to pass or get stuck in position. I think you would, you would tweet at a Denny Hamlin quote. He comes off, or they finished their green flag pit cycle, right? And he comes off, he's like, it's it's like freaking on now or whatever he said, right? Yep. Like he was like, game on, Larson's ahead of me. And then it was like, oh, game on for you to be stuck in third for the entire rest of the race, at least <laughs> until the rain came. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, you know, Blaney was not going to win this race. You know, he wasn't the fastest car today, but uh he picked the bottom. The choose rule came into effect. Yeah, one year. One year after the choose rule was implemented at Michigan, he picks the bottom, gets a great push from Kyle Busch. He uses his super speedway skills, and that's that. You know, I mean, Larson said he, I guess he was thinking about points, but even if he makes a move there, it's probably not going to be a winning move. Byron tried to make a winning move. Um, didn't work out for him. Chase Briscoe was actually coming with a big, big run there until Kurt Busch blocked him. And then he got into the, the back of Kurt Busch. But, um, yeah, I, I see your face. This doesn't count as a rant. I'm not, cause I'm not angry about it. I'm just talking a lot. No, I, I, I think all your points are valid. It, and it's hard. One thing I thought about this, and this is a, we've talked about this before in the podcast, and this is a conversation we've had with people in the garage is, you know, this is Blaney's second win of the year. And yeah, he, you know, maybe, I don't know what momentum is worth in NASCAR. I feel like there's something to it to some degree. If you have confidence, I think you do perform better. But with the different aero packages that we see, you know, the different tracks and everything, is there something that you can take out of this and say, oh, wow, Newman and the tw- – Newman, geez. Ryan Blaney and the 12 team are kind of peaking at the right time. And I don't know if you can say that or not because you don't know. And what how this win applies going forward to the playoffs. It, yes, it, it, the bonus points and all the playoff points help a lot. But does it really mean anything for in the grand scheme of things about, you know, wow, you know, well, maybe Blaney's one of those guys we got to keep an eye on come the playoffs. I don't know, because in the past, if somebody you know has a win like this right before the playoffs, you're thinking, wow, this is good. They're kind of peaking at the right time, maybe hitting on something, especially a track like Michigan. Now, I don't know if you can really say that. No, I mean, no, this has nothing to do with anything, really. I mean, first of all, this is this would be to me if, if like if almost if if someone won Talladega or Daytona like next week and you say, does this mean anything for the playoffs? No, it, it has really no application at all. Um, you know, maybe if, if he dominated the race and was the best car today or something, and you're like, wow, Blaney really came out and showed us something, but you know, he was probably, I would say Larson was better. Um, Elliot was better, which I have no idea what happened with that pick call. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah. Um, Austin Dillon was definitely better today. Yep. William Byron was better. Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch was better. Hamlin. So, I mean, you're talking about Kurt. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, He was probably a sixth or seventh place car. He was somewhere in the back half of the top 10. Yeah. So how can you, you know, you can't say Blaney's peaking at the right time. I was more impressed by Blaney running down Larson at the Atlanta race earlier this year. You know, he showed, showed me more strength there, but to me, this is like, okay, it was a race that happened. uh, 550 package, not going to be as applicable um, in the playoffs in, in a lot of cases. So yeah, I mean, it, it's a good win for them. You know, it's the first time Blaney's won multiple races in a season, which I think is important and you can feel good about that. But I mean, it's, it's just, it, this is more like a Cole Custer, Kentucky with the late restart kind of win to me. Sure. I think it's fair. And I think it's interesting to note to me that it is Blaney's second win of his career. And it's something I think you were, of the season leave. of the season second sec, yes yeah, i'm sorry second win of the season the first time he's won multiple races in the season excuse me you were i think on leave 
uh, at Atlanta. And that was a big talking point was this was that was the earliest that Blaney had won a race in the season. It looked like, OK, this was kind of setting up to kind of his quote unquote breakthrough year, you know, kind of takes that next big step in his career. And he's been close this year a few times, but he hasn't gotten that win yet. I think there is something to be said for him finally kind of getting that second win on the season and showing that, hey, you know, I, I can do this, not not just winning, but winning multiple times a year. I think that that kind of elevates you a little bit. And it's been something we've been waiting for from him. Yeah, I mean, after, okay, so when they won, I mean, we were still talking about Penske as potentially on the same level as Hendrick and Gibbs at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, Logano goes out and wins um, the dirt race the next week, which really has no Great application race, or anything. It? Your favorite race of the year? Oh, please. Anyway, um, Keselowski won Talladega, which again has no really, yeah. you know, that's that doesn't, no application to anything else. Aside from that, the only Ford win since Brad Kozlowski won on April 25th was Eric Almirola winning at New Hampshire until yep. today. So, you know, to me, Ryan Blaney has gone the way that Ford has gone and the way Penske has gone. It's not like his teammates are going out and winning a bunch of races and he hasn't been able to break through or he's lagging behind or something. Um, it just really, they've been the third best team this year and they're, results show that I feel like. So, um, I really haven't, you know, looked at his season and gone, man, they're really underachieving. I mean, he is seventh in points ahead of both of his teammates now. So, um, you know, I, I just, I, I get that we, we thought it was setting up that way, but to me, this isn't the fairest comparison. Um, you know, if I, I, I just think that the best way to go is to look at people's teammates and I don't see his teammates doing anything amazing. So, no, and, and that's fair. I, I think if you look at the totality of the season as a whole, he's he's been right there with his teammates. He's outperformed Keselowski. I think Logano's been a bit better, but Blaney's been in the mix. And Blaney's been – throughout his career, Blaney's been really streaky. He goes on these runs where he'll go four or five races in a row, lead a bunch of laps, win some stages, and like, whoa, he should probably win on that race. He probably should have won that race. And then he didn't, and then he kind of tapers off. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of curb this a little bit. You know, Blaney's first – you know, 2017, he wins a race for the first time with the Wood brothers makes it to the, the, the semifinal round of the playoffs. You're like, wow, that's, that's pretty impressive. And he's had other playoff runs kind of like that, but more often than not, it's just kind of like, Hey, you shrug your shoulders. I'm still kind of waiting for that next big step for him. I, I think he's tremendously talented. I think he's a driver that can win a lot of races at this level and be one of those guys that you're always talking about. I'm waiting for him to kind of have that big playoff moment. And I'm curious if Penske started. And that was the thing about this race too, was Penske looked good today. Intermediate tracks this year, 550 races. They've been kind of up and down. Um, Blaney won earlier this year at Atlanta, but you go back to Nashville, they were just okay. You go to Atlanta, they were not good there as an organization. They were off that day. So it, this Nashville boat, was though, 750, I think though, but I, I get your you're point. Right, you're right on Nashville. I'm thinking, but listen, listen, but the entire narrative to this is all, the only reason we're talking about Ryan Blaney is because a few raindrops fell on the racetrack. Otherwise in all likelihood, it turns out to be a one, two Hendrick finish Byron or Larson, probably Byron, the way he came out of the pit cycle. And we're talking about, wow, Hendrick yet again, the last downforce race, you know, before the playoffs, they finish one, two is Byron a threat. Now, you know, Larson, he's showing strength again. He continues his, his strong ways or whatever. And, and if Elliot hadn't again, like, can we talk about this for a minute? I, I, okay. I just do not understand what happened today with Chase Elliott. I haven't seen one good explanation from anybody who listened to his radio or anything. Okay. So it was coming to the end of stage two, right? And the JGR cars had taken two tires. Larson and Elliott took four tires. And um, we, you know, they said right away on the broadcast, okay, well, this means the JGR cars are probably going to have to pit and they're probably going to have to take um, two tires to, to, you know, get more tires, right? Whereas, you know, Larson and Elliott, they're thinking about the long game. They can stay out. So the stage break comes. And if I'm getting my timing right, the JGR cars do indeed pit. Larson stays out and Elliot pits and then he comes out, you know, 16th or whatever. He ends up recovering to uh, a top 10, partly because he got through that wreck, finished eighth. But that call completely took him out of what was going to be an easy top three. He he had a, a good car today. It was going to be, you know, I, I just, I, 
Can you explain that to me? What, what in the world happened? I don't understand the decision. Uh, it was curious to me. It wasn't, this wasn't a race where tire wear mattered much. I mean, there was, you know, a little matter to some degree, but I didn't understand that. And, and this was a track position race where you, it wasn't, you needed to have as much track position as possible. You wanted to be as close to the front as possible because you couldn't necessarily ensure that you were going to get to the front because of what we discussed about the package. I didn't understand it. It was interesting to note. Um, I am just here, honestly, for the replies to why Chase Elliott pitted when he did, because Chase Elliott fans have a, a, a seems to have a vendetta against Alan Gustafson as a crew chief, which it, it always fascinates me that I think Alan is really the best crew chief in NASCAR. He's underrated to some degree, but man, they, Elliott fans are quick to, to point the finger at him whenever something goes wrong. Well, okay. I think he his, he's brilliant in terms of bringing a fast car, but his race strategy at times certainly deserves to be questioned. I mean, he makes some very puzzling calls that maybe, and you know, there could be a very good explanation for this that we don't understand. But um, unfortunately, I just looked at the Chevy post-race quotes that they put out from each manufacturer. Chase Elliott wasn't one of the ones who gave uh, a post-race quote today. So I was hoping to see some explanation there. I, I, I don't know what happened, but it's just a weird thing to be like, Larson's doing this. They seem to be running together and on the same strategy. And all of a sudden, okay, Elliot is just gone out of the picture for no reason. It seemed like to me, it was just like, why would you do that? I just didn't really get that. But um, anyway, another thing we need to talk about um, because, hey, maybe it wasn't going to be a top three for Elliot if Austin Dillon was looking really strong. Um, he finished sixth at the end of stage two. And then the incident with Keselowski. Jordan, how did you see that incident? It's weird. At first blush, you, you see the accident and you look, oh, man, Keselowski took him out. Oh, that was as deliberate as it gets. But that was the first replay. When you look at it again, you're like, that was kind of a racing incident. Dylan kind of moved up. Keselowski moved down. And it's like, unfortunately, they made contact at a really bad part of the track. Not too dissimilar, by the way, when Carl Edwards spun out Brad Keselowski at Atlanta back in eleven. And it was it kind of had reminiscent of that crash. I think this was a racing accident. The only thing I question is, is at that point, why it, it feels like they should both been back down a little bit quicker and maybe a little separated each other from, you know, a, a little bit sooner than they had been. But that's in hindsight 2020. That's a fast part of the racetrack. Things are happening so fast. I just don't know if either one of them at that moment really had a, a sense of where the other was at. It's a racing accident. Yeah, I, I see it the same way as you. I mean, to me, it makes... First of all, you have the radio chatter from both drivers immediately. So uh, Dylan apologized to his team. Yep. And then Kozlowski, he was like, you know, and they replayed it again on, on Sirius later where there, it was like, um, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that, uh, you know, I, that I didn't mean to do that at all. I was just trying to follow him down there. Oh, come on. Like, why did he move up? Oh, geez. Like he was immediately like that wasn't supposed to happen. So. You know, I, I don't think, I just can't see why anybody would intentionally do that. You wouldn't hook someone at a high-speed spot on the racetrack, especially a veteran driver. driver. No, 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 you wouldn't they, do People that. are going to say that. He is not that kind of driver. He is a very, no. he's pretty respectable. No, you, you know, only a, a real idiot would, like, hook someone violently on the front stretch at a high-speed track in, in some sort of retaliation. And, I mean, I think it would be a young driver who you know, hasn't been through the ringer yet or something, but Keselowski's not going to do that to a playoff driver. He understands the situation, a guy trying to make it, uh, into the playoffs at least. So no, I, I, and you know, but I, could he have left him more room? Absolutely. And it was sort of like, why didn't he, you know, like you said, why didn't they back out there? But obviously, I mean, it's right after they crossed the line. 100%. Um, it's so instantaneous. It's a blink yeah. of the eye. I really it's don't assign, assign blame there, but I obviously do feel, uh, incredibly bad for Austin Dillon. I mean, they, that was the best car they've had all year. I mean, you could see the emotion uh, on his face and hear it in his voice. I mean, they, that was a real missed opportunity for them. I mean, that, that really could have been uh, a potential race win or, or any, whatever. And then especially when Reddick spins late, um, of course that, that keeps it close. So now, uh, they're pretty much right where they were before 25 points, um, going into Daytona, I wouldn't feel good if I was Reddick at all about the position. And we can talk about that. I don't know if you're ready to yeah, move on no, to Daytona I, I, stuff, but the setup no, for I, this I, is, is not good for Reddick in my opinion. 
No, Dylan is a is really good at super speedway races. Um, has put himself in position to get good finishes on a regular basis. Finished third at the Daytona 500 earlier this year because he put himself in a good position at the end to capitalize when all hell broke loose. Reddick is not showing that ability yet. You go back to this race last year at Daytona in the regular season finale. Reddick was up there racing for the lead, needed to get a win to get in the playoffs, made a, uh, a rookie mistake, an inexperienced mistake of trying to cut in front of Kyle Busch there and he wasn't clear and it set off a, you know, a big crash. That is something you don't see out of Dylan too much in these races. And this incident with Dylan today, it would have been huge because you would have put Reddick on his back foot going into a racetrack where he would have been at a disadvantage and Dylan could have maybe played a little bit more of a defensive role. It's going to be interesting to see what the approach is for Austin Dillon in this race, but between 25 points seems like a lot to some degree, but you know, a couple stages, you get some points, not so much. And if Reddick gets caught up into an accident that that can go away quickly. So I like Austin Dillon in this situation, but you know, that's, I'm not ready to go all in on him. Yeah, no, I mean the first of all the wreck you mentioned um, when we did a 12 questions uh, with Tyler Reddick earlier this year, the question about um, what's an embarrassing mistake you've made made on the track that you're willing to share with us, that was what he he named. I mean that that was something that last last uh, August the Daytona wreck. I mean that was something really on his mind. Um, you know he. He said the pressure was on. There was a handful of laps to go, and that's what happens. You feel like it's five or six to go. The anticipation builds, and sometimes it blows off way too early. Uh, unfortunately, it cost myself and a lot of others very fast race cars and tore them up. But I've learned my lesson, he said. So, uh, I, you know, I think it's possible he could get a good finish, and I think he could end up finishing ahead of Dylan in points. But the reason I said that, that I don't think it sets up well for him, is because of the scenarios of somebody else of a new winner. Because when you look at the drivers who are outside and, and you know, I, I don't, I, at this point, you know, I've poo pooed you all year for saying, you know, Oh, how do how can you have the imagination of that? There's going to be some new winner. I am imagining this time at Daytona, a new winner. And just um, for the oh, record, this okay. is not me criticizing you and making fun of you because you, you know, you're thinking out loud here on a podcast that's reactionary. So just want to open, just let you know that, like, I am open to you thinking, you know, new ideas and outside the box a little bit. You know, this is not me criticizing you. Yeah, because you feel the same way. That's why you you would have you would have said this if I didn't say it. I bet. But no, I encourage and foster open ideas. Well, and, I'm not know, that I don't kind like of person. To criticize my friends yeah. for you know coming up with ideas. Okay. Well, I do. That's what I, that's the joy I get out of life. So, um, (laughs) listen, um, you look at the guys who need to make the playoffs and race their way in. Okay. Like let's legitimately go down this and, and think, okay, like, could you envision a scenario where Ricky Stenhouse jr. Goes out and went, yes, you could right? Eric Jones. Could you envision that? He's won at Daytona before. Yeah, he's, he's won at Daytona before. I, How about that, a, boys I, and girls? Yeah, no, I, I remember. I, um, that was a that was a huge attrition-filled race. I, I could see it happening. I, I just put the likelihood of that is like that would get towards the bottom. Okay. Well, you could, said you could see it happening. Could you see a Ross Chastain Daytona victory to get him oh. in the playoffs? Aggressive, aggressive driver, been good with. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and to me, in Xfinity. I keep going back. That's tough because I keep going back in my head to the 2020 Daytona 500. Ross is in a third Ganassi car for Spire, having a really good run. He's kind of in the mix. Maybe, you know, things are kind of breaking away. He made a really probably over-aggressive move into turn one and set off this big reaction, you know, big chain reaction crash. I'm just, I think you're, I think you have to be able to curb your aggression in these races a little bit. I don't know if Ross is ready to win at Daytona. Okay, so you can't see that. I can see that. Um, can you see Matt Benedetto winning and yeah, racing? Won a tel- probably should have won at Talladega this, mm-hmm. early, earlier this year. He is good in these races. He's also got the Wood Brothers behind him who are good in these races. He's got Team Penske behind him and Ford who have a good strategy typically in these races. Absolutely. I would actually put him on the short list of guys I would almost expect to be in the mix. Let's keep going. How about Ryan Newman? No. Almost won- he almost won the Daytona 500 that he also almost died in. He almost won that one. Uh, Newman's year. Newman's not had a good year. He cra- uh, our, our what does that have to do with Davis- Daytona? That has nothing to do with anything. 
he, our friend David Smith, Motorsports Analytics, writes for NBC Sports, uh, had a statistic this week. I wish I could set off the top of my head, but Newman has crashed a lot this year. Um, to me, Ryan Newman is a driver showing his age. I, I don't think Ryan Newman's ready to win at Daytona. Okay, well, uh, I'm going to say that I can envision it. How about Corey LaJoy? Can you envision a Corey LaJoy victory? He's always seems to be good at restrictor plate tracks. Yeah, I mean, it's I, he's got a puncher's chance. Um, but I don't, it's not something again, like there are certain guys, um, Matt, Matty D, Bubba Wallace, Stenhouse, like there's, there are three or four guys that I look at and I'm like, those are my guys at these races. Now, everyone else obviously has a chance cause you don't know what's going to happen at Daytona, but I'm trying to separate these in categories a little bit and he doesn't fall into that category. So, yeah, I guess my point in bringing this up was you can run down a lot of the guys who need to race their way in. And there's some of those guys on that list where you're like, I could see them winning a super speedway race. Like it is possible that they could get it done. Um, they bring a good car. They put themselves in position late. Sure. Um, and next thing you know, you could have somebody bumped out. I mean, Austin Dillon himself could race his way into it as, as we've talked about now, of course you have a lot of the top contenders, you know, Denny Hamlin, um, you know, I don't know, a Blaney, Blaney, Logano, Keselowski are, are perfect examples of people who are already in and they could go out and just as easily just add more playoff bonus points um, to their list and win the race and there won't be a new winner. But like I legitimately almost see it like a 50-50 chance where you could have an underdog and not. And that's scary for Tyler Reddick because he could fall out via points. He could fall out with a new winner. After Dylan wrecked, it seemed like he could only fall out as a new winner. Now um, there's two ways for him to fall out. So uh, a lot of pressure on him. Yeah. I, I think this speaks to something we've talked about before on this podcast, which is I love Daytona as the last race of the regular season. I love the wide openness of it. I love it as this free for all where if you're out of the playoffs and you need a win, damn it, you've got a good chance to get one at Daytona. And I love it. And I love it because I think it's exciting and it adds another element to the, the regular season that we were missing before. So I'm excited for this week. I'm excited for Saturday night's race. Yeah. And I agree with you. And I, I still feel the same way that, you know, if you've gotten to this point in the regular season and you haven't won and you're trying to race your way in on points, of course, there's only one spot left now, which is pretty amazing. Um, but who cares if you know, like, Oh, you're going to fall out because you know, somebody else, there was a new winner. Well, you should have won then. You know what I mean? Like you had uh, 25 other chances to win. If you don't do it, you're probably not going to do much in the playoffs anyway. So yeah. One person who did clinch their spot today, Jordan was Kevin Harvick. No more doubts about whether he'll be in the playoffs. I don't know how far he'll go. We'll talk about that on our playoff preview podcast, which will also be the podcast probably uh, that is the post-race podcast next week. But um, at least he's in, uh, you know, I don't know if he's going to do anything. You know, he was a, he had won what three Michigan races in a row coming into today. And he was just not, not a factor. I mean, and he, you could see on his radio chatter, um, just not happy, he was not happy. No. And, and the typical, how his whole season's gone, finished, ended up finishing 14th. Not, not but good. Was, not a good sign. No. I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, my thoughts on Harvick and what he's going to do in the postseason, I'm not ready to write these guys off yet. But this also goes back to the package. You know, is this is this a thing where we can just kind of shrug our shoulders and say this was a 550 thing? We're going to some tracks at Darlington, Richmond, and, and Bristol, which are three good tracks for that team. And this will not be a – those are not 550 tracks. Those are 750 tracks. Um I we'll hear see. you, but I mean, to to sweep the Michigan doubleheader sure. weekend last year, and then come out and just not even, you know, be a factor at all, sure. like but like who, like has been the season the, uh, for as a whole for them. I mean, that's just it's just got to be demoralizing, I guess. But it's frustrating. I mean, I talked to Rodney Childers for a story you're going to see on the Athletic. I think going into the playoffs um, last week, um, it's it's been frustrating at times. They are, you know, they're. This is not a position they're used to being in. They're used to going into the postseason as, hey, wow, that they're one of the favorites. You know, you've got to watch them, and it's going to be interesting. And I asked Rodney a question, and I've kind of mentioned this podcast. I said, Rodney, in the past, when people have doubted you, you guys have kind of thrived on it. When your back has been against the wall, 
you guys have come out swinging. Remember that Dover race a few years ago where they needed to win, you know, whether it's Phoenix where they needed to win to clinch their spot in the final four, they've had this ability to kind of rise up. And I said, can you, can you hearken back to those moments and say, okay, we can, you know, we're, we're good at these. We're good at when people are doubting us. And he's like, I don't know, probably not because, <laughs> because everything is different now. He's, you know, I thought he had, had a, I'm kind of paraphrasing here and I wish I had the exact quote, which is basically NASCAR, the rule book now is so much tighter and how inspection is and everything else. There's just such a smaller window to play with now. And he goes back then we could spend all week, you know, in the, in the wind tunnel, basically, you know, looking at different things, trying to figure out where we can make little gains. We can't do that now. That that's, that is a difference. Yeah. Well, um, this was obviously the only Michigan race of the year. Uh, are you, are you okay with that? Yeah. I was going to ask you about that too. I, I'm okay with it. I, I've said this before many times where I never understood why Michigan had two races. Now I get it. It's in the backyard of Ford and Chevrolet, but Michigan just having one race to me kind of puts the more importance on this race for the manufacturers. Like, Hey, this is our one time this year where we can bring all our employees out to the racetrack, where if we get that win, it kind of resonates and it carries through. It's not a, Oh, we're going to be back here in six weeks again, kind of thing when they race in June and they waste race in August. I don't know what the, the stands look like today. I, I didn't get a good look at it. I, I haven't talked to anybody on the ground at, at Michigan about attendance. But I do like this race as, as just having one date, and I think it can do something special with that. That that's my hope. Yeah, I'm fine with it unless they have a doubleheader weekend. I think they could have similar success as to Pocono, um, where you know the, the the camping scene in Michigan, as I've said before, um, I got to camp there once for a story, and it was so fun. And they have such a great uh, campground scene there that I think rivals Talladega and, and the best infields. And um, you know, I I just you know, if you want to do two races and make a weekend out of it there, I think that could work. But other than that, you certainly don't have to come back there twice. It's just weird how the schedule, it, it continues to evolve, right? Like we've, we've documented the, the rise in road courses. We haven't talked as much about the decline of the two mile tracks. Um, when Fontana turns into a short track, yeah. you know, you used to have four, two mile, big two mile oval tracks a year two Fontana two Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, there was no Fontana um, at all this year because it got taken off the schedule. There's only one race anyway there. It's going to turn into a short track soon, and now Michigan's down to one race. So you're only going to have one two-mile big sweeping fast oval on the schedule. Um, those used to be like kind of a thing that like, okay, they're good on these type of tracks. Like Larson's good on these type of tracks back when he was with Canassi. Now it's just going to be one a year um, pretty much you know, starting in, in a couple years. So. Just kind of weird how how things ebb and flow, I guess, with the schedule. But you know, they have it. They the, you can almost lump it in as the fifth super speedway in a way. Anyway, the way they're trying to design this, and if the new car, if the next gen car, you know, turns out to be that way, um, and and they get Atlanta that way, though it could be me, even more super speedway ish. Which again, a lot of people will like I, that. So. I don't know how we're going to start classifying tracks if this comes if this comes to fruition as we think. Like, you know, how do you clarify what is a super speedway track? Because you know, is how is Daytona really different from Michigan or Atlanta? We don't know, and I've got some, I got some reservations whether or not you know we're going to see the kind of racing that we think we're going to see at you know with the next gen car at Atlanta and and Michigan. But it's going to be interesting to see how this evolves and how we start classifying, you know, who wins. And the good point of this is. After today's race, Blaney was asked about this, and it didn't really click with me until I heard this question, which was, can you take what you learned today and the communication with your spotter and the drafting skills, and like you were talking about, Jeff, the blocking and everything, and apply that to next week? Is it good practice in some ways? And I was like, that's actually a really good point. This was kind of a appetizer, if you will, for what next week is going to be like. Yep, I totally agree. And good week for them to make the switch with TJ Majors um, and – Coleman Presley switching from uh, Keselowski and, and Logano um, as well for, for that reason, for his, for Blaney's two teammates. Um, because if you're going to make that switch as they did, um, although it, you know, I don't know if that led to any miscommunications or not. Uh, Logano ended up wrecking and Keselowski didn't leave enough room on the bottom. I, I assume <laughs> I listened to, to TJ's radio chatter. Like I said, in that radio replay um, 
and it, it, it sounded like he was just calling it normally. I mean, Kozlowski knew it was the last lap, but that was my, one of my early thoughts on that. Like, does he, did he even know that the stage was over or something? But, um, anyway, so yeah, for the same point you're saying about practicing with your spotter for Blaney, I think the two Penske teammates, sure. um, made a, made a wise timing decision as well for that reason. Anyway. Um, so Jordan, uh, last week on the teardown, um, I see you're, I, I, I don't even like, I'm not like Kyle Larson where I just enjoy winning this much on the good race poll because it kind of takes the fun out of it. I want to be challenged here. And now, uh, yet another victory for me. I just threw out a, a 60% on the poll, uh, for the Indy road course. It turned out to be 60.4%. Um, yes, I, I, yes. Thank you very much. It was, it was honestly just a guess. Now this one is going to be really tough. Jordan, because you've got the 750 truthers versus the Blaney fans versus the people who were casual fans and just liked the race for what it was in the first place. They thought it was exciting. So three sort of different distinct groups pulling in potentially different directions. There could be some crossover, but it's very hard to tell what this race will do uh, because of that. Now I can tell you that the top Michigan race ever in the poll was 77.3%. And that was the opener of last year's Michigan doubleheader with Harvick winning with this package. So uh, it could be something like that. However, there have been Michigan races that have been really bad, such as when Harvick won 2018, that got 38%. So it's going to be somewhere in there. The lowest race of this year, it, you know, this race for a while was probably going to be I, I mean, I thought in stage one, I was like, this is a candidate for a bad one. But the lowest race of this year is 48.5. So I don't think it's going to be anywhere close to that. I think it redeemed itself toward the end. It was exciting. Um, and I know I got to go first and I'm stalling. But uh, I'm going to say 64%. Okay. Hot diggity dog. Boy, am I excited to to make this pick. <laughs> Um, I will just say this. I tweeted something out about Kyle Busch that said on his radio, I think it was in stage one, and he was pretty emphatic when he said this. Maybe use an expletive I will not share on this podcast because this is suitable for all ages. Um, but Kyle was not happy that all the cars were running the same and you couldn't pass. And based on everything we've seen this year, and you have swung me over to your side, there are these 750 truthers out there. And I think today is, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, is pretty much your evidence if you're a 750 fan this is your evidence that this is not the package you like and this is why based off of the reaction to what the kyle bush tweet got and people were agreeing with kyle i think this is going to be 55 percent, and that is that okay that's fair i i think there's a chance it could be in the 50s i mean that kansas race earlier this year um ended up getting a 57 I think that was somewhat similar to this, not the Kansas race last year, but, um, anyway. Okay. So 55 for you, 64 for me, plenty of gap in between there to settle this if that's where it falls. So, um, and I will, uh, make an agreement to reset the points after this. However, um, somebody, Oh, I wish I could, I wish I could tell you who it was. Somebody tweeted me. They had a really good idea this week, um, for what we should do for the playoffs. Did you see this tweet? You know no, what I'm talking I about? See the tweet. And I'm sure it, it, no, it's just, no, we don't No. Okay. Well, I'm just going to read it to you anyway. Of course. Um, Oh, NASCAR view. That's who it was. NASCAR underscore view said regular season champ gets to pick second every week for the playoffs. So me being the regular season champ, I could graciously reset Great. the points. We could start over, uh, for our 10 week playoff, but, you have to go first every time so I could. That's you, just fine. I am more than happy to do that. What happened to you, your enthusiasm for the poll, Jordan? You were so happy. Honestly, and the, honestly the truth are honest, honest. I'm not kidding when I say this. This is no joke. The whole we've talked about. We talked about this last week on the podcast. Like we had a string of races. My turn to rant, by the way. Again, and like you can literally this is a carbon copy of what I said. New Hampshire, Atlanta, Watkins Glen, all very good races. And for whatever reason, people don't see it that way. I don't get it. I have been beaten down by the truthers. I don't disagree about the arrow package, 
But at some point, it is what it is, and you can't you can't fight City Hall, and you're not going to be able to fight NASCAR in this. So, good racing is racing. I saw today, like I said at the beginning of this podcast, this was a good Michigan race. This was, you know, the Aero Package is what it is. I was entertained from the beginning to end. The winner was in doubt. Guys could make moves. There was at no point I thought, oh man, this is boring. I liked it. I don't care what the package is. I just enjoyed myself. I'm not going to let myself be consumed by the package. And I've gotten beaten down by this constant, oh, this is a 550 race. This doesn't count. It, it just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it all. Okay. That's, that's fair. I, uh, I wish that packages in some ways, you know, could be just be like in a, what's that Jim Carrey movie? Eternal sunshine of the spotless mind. I've heard about it. Never oh. seen it. Okay. Well, anyway, they erase his memory oh, from okay. certain things. So I just wish that I could not know what the package was going on and what was yeah, all going I into agree. it. And, and just, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying for about enjoying it and all that stuff. I, I totally get that. Jordan, uh, there's other stuff to talk about in the motorsports world. And one of those was the very exciting or dramatic, uh, interesting IndyCar race where there was lots of attrition. The points race got completely shaken up, really. Uh, Alex Pillow, um, he's just, I mean, it's not really even his fault. No, what's happening? Innocent recently. bystander. Yeah, I mean, it, it, his points lead is gone. gone. I mean, gone and crumbled, and now he's trailing Pato Award. Um, Joseph Newgarden wins a gateway. A lot of Still attrition. Still got a really good chance, too, by the way, to win this championship. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, when you look at the points now, I mean, I almost feel like he's got to be the guy that you're watching. I mean, I know Dixon's not out of it, but at this point in the Dixon season, with three races though. to Yeah, well, he's Dixon for one thing, so he could reel off some great finishes. Sure. But you, they're going to go Portland, Laguna Seca, um, Long Beach to finish off the IndyCar season. And to me, I think that, that just sets up so well for Newgarden. He's already won two championships. He's going to be composed under pressure. You know, Polo and Pato Award are certainly talented and they're going to be fast, but can they finish it out when the pressure is strong and in a tight points battle? I think it's one thing for Polo if he was going to have a big points lead and everybody was trying to chase him and he could sort of manage. But now that it's been completely erased and gone, now he's chasing. Pato Award's never been in this position. Um, you know, I, I, I would favor Newgarden over anybody at this point. What about you? I agree with everything you said there. I, I like Joseph in this situation. He's on the outside a little bit where he needs to still be aggressive. I think the margin is 22, 25, somewhere in there. And so he still has enough. It's it's enough of his deficit where he can go out, win these races, and win the championship. But still where you don't entirely control your own destiny necessarily. I, I like the fact that everything is kind of in his hands. He's got nothing to lose. And I think he's in a really good spot. I think Team Penske's peaking at the right time now. This is their third win in four races. Will Power won last week at the Indy Road Course. New Garden won a few races ago at Mid-Ohio. I like where this team is at. And I couldn't help but think about how many points this year New Garden has lost. In the opening race of the year at Barber, first lap crashed out. Um, leading at Road America in Detroit, really felt like the wins were in his grasp. Slipped away, lost a lot of points, especially at Road America. Um I like the position he's in. I think there's, I've always contended that to win a championship, you first have to lose a championship. And I think these young guys now, uh, Pato and Alex, they're, this is the first time they've done this. The pressure's different now. Um, you can't have a forward mistake. And it's going to be interesting to see what these guys are doing. And these guys are both incredibly talented, but Joseph is, like you said, two-time champion. He's finished runner-up in the series last year. He's not going to be phased by this. I, I like where he's at right now. Well, uh, there was another race at Gateway this weekend. That was the Truck Series playoff opener. People always ask us to talk more about trucks and Xfinity, or at least mention them more. So um, I'll ask you, what in the world was that truck race? I, I felt like I was like having a fever dream or something. Like, you know, with the power outage and looking at the screen and seeing no timing and scoring and, you know, all the, the wrecks or contenders being taken out and... You know, I, I thought it was just going to be a race where 
John Hunter Nemechek would go out and dominate and he'd strike the tone for the playoff opener and all the stuff. And, um, that just really wasn't the case at all. I, I was like a weird, weird start to the truck series playoffs for sure. Huge. And look at a guy like Todd Gilliland. I mean, he was kind of my pick to win this race. He, he, he dominated this race a year ago. I felt like this was a good opportunity for him. You know, DNF crashed and you see that and Nemechek, you expected him, you know, to be in the mix. He, his truck was kind of off on handling all night. He has a mechanical issue. Chandler Smith, another guy who I thought was kind of peaking at the right time and it was kind of coming along good track for him. Mechanical issue in the garage. And it's Sheldon Creed who, you know, hadn't really done a whole lot this year. It's kind of been a frustrating year for the defending champ ends up getting the win. So truck series at gateway is always an entertaining show and they again delivered and Austin Hill, who came in as the second seed in the, in the trucks uh, playoffs, you're thinking, okay. And then, you know, maybe he's got a little bit of momentum on his side. He ends up crashing out. So, it's it's a truck series, man. It's always exciting. Yeah. Well, I, I think what's interesting is John Hunter Nemechek, I guess, you know, ultimately had so many playoff points and all that stuff that he's still the technically the points leader. I mean, I know he he didn't have the win, so the the winner is I guess the points leader. But in terms of like the actual standings, um, he's number one, even he has more points than Creed, even. So that's just kind of funny um how things work out. But you know, I I wouldn't be too worried about him yet. Um, I don't know, you know, I wouldn't count anybody out. I don't care if you crashed or, or what, you know, Chandler Smith type thing. I mean, weird things happen, but you know, the truck guys are, there's going to be stuff that happens in the next two races for, for them. So, and they're going to Darlington, which is a tough track for them. I'm excited. We saw what happened earlier this year at Darlington. Remember that big pileup we had a restart there. I mean, this is fun. I I think the truck series is some of the best racing around. It's no shortage of storylines. I, I wish it got more coverage than it did, but it's, it's fun. It's exciting. And I think the playoffs are, I, I like John Arnimacek a lot. I think he's obviously the favorite, the heavy favorite, but I can make a case for some other guys too. And you just don't know what's going to happen. Meanwhile, over in the Xfinity series, uh, AJ Allmendinger um, wins again, uh, coming off his cup win at Indy road course. Love to see how fired up he gets um, when he wins these races. But um, you know, is he quietly creeping into the, like the favorite ish type conversation? I mean, I guess for much of the season, you know, I was like, okay, Almondinger's there. He's in the mix. I don't know. I guess not that I wasn't taking him seriously as like a, a playoff driver, but I just felt like, Hey, this is, this is going to be Austin Sendrick's, you know, to lose. And um, I, I just felt like everybody's going to have to go through Austin Sendrick. And I still, think that's probably the case but you know Almendinger is certainly showing that he can run with Cindric. why why would you not i think it's fair to say aj's the co-favorite i, I don't know why it's not an either or to me i mean Cindric is showing well i think he's got- come on stronger lately but there was a while there where it was all Cindric, yeah. and i mean Almendinger wasn't doing that much for a while i mean he was maybe running top fives and stuff but to win the championship i mean i don't know no? I don't dis- I don't disagree with that, but I, I look at AJ, I look at where he runs well, it, it, beyond just road courses. I think this is setting up to be a, a good opportunity for AJ to do something in, in the playoffs. And they're coming on strong at the end of the year. They've ran well at a variety of tracks beyond just road courses. They've got top 10 finishes at Texas, and, you know, intermediate tracks, that kind of thing. Um, he's won at Atlanta before. I mean, I, I just look at this team, I look at where they are, I don't, I think they're, I think they are capable of winning every, any single week. Now they don't have maybe the consistency you want from them necessarily, but they are certainly capable of popping off a victory. And that's what you need. If you have a bad race or two and your backs against the wall and you need a win to advance, AJ can do it. No, I, I, I'm on board with that. And I don't want to like dismiss his, uh, strength this season. But I mean, when you look at his, he has three wins this year in Xfinity. He won Vegas. Okay. Then he wins mid Ohio, which, okay, you know, anytime AJ wins on a road course or even finishes second, you're like, okay, well, you think that, you know, he's sort of supposed to do that, right? You would, you'd expect that. And then he wins Michigan. So it's not like he's won like a ton of these races and the Xfinity series playoffs aren't exactly, um, road course heavy. There's only one, right? So, um, I believe so, uh, yeah, I, I just don't. I mean, if he's going to come on strong now, I think that's that's something to be excited about for him and his fans. But 
Um, I still think Austin Cindric is, you know, above him as favorite status. I don't, I don't view them as co-favorites personally. I do just, like I said before, he runs really well in these intermediate tracks. He's got that win at Vegas this year. He runs good in super speedway races. They go to Talladega. We know how good he is on the road courses. They go to the Roval. And I will be, I am adamant when I say this, people forget how good AJ Allmendinger is at Martinsville. He's never won there before. That's probably why, but he is really, really good there. I think this sets up well for again. Cindric is the favorite, but AJ's not that far behind. Jordan, last week on the teardown, uh, we had a lot to talk about with the Indy Road Course, and uh, I don't know if Denny Hamlin was just listening to our podcast because of all the craziness that happened, or or how he uh, ended up listening, but uh, he gave us a shout out tweet, I guess, for the podcast. And uh, we got a lot of listeners from last week. I think it's going to end up being our number one episode uh, when all the dust settles out. So thanks to everybody who gave us a chance who maybe hasn't heard before. And uh, of course, thanks to all you loyal listeners as well. We're having a lot of fun with this and we're going to be having more fun next week because we'll be back together in person, Jordan, to talk about the Daytona race right in Daytona, um, breaking down the end of the regular season, what's to come in the playoffs. That'll be a a really fun podcast. I'm really looking forward to doing with you and um, seeing you again at the racetrack. That'll be a lot of fun to give you crap in person and crow about my regular season championship in the, was it a good race poll? I wish, you know, we need to start doing this on video just so people can see your face. Every time I bring up the poll. I should like no, start I'm shaking my head at the fact that I am like genuinely excited to see you because I you're one of my best friends. I like spending time with you. I like we have a good time. We joke. We we, we kick around story ideas. We just we, we have a great time together. And you're just sitting here. You just said you're looking forward to seeing me because you want to make fun of me. And it's like that's all you care about. It's like me. No, I just want to see my good friend who I miss. You know, give him a hug. Hey, buddy, I miss you. Like, no, I just want to make fun of you. It's like, great, thanks, appreciate it. I think it's it more of a. It hurts, uh, Jeff. More of a brother's brother's relationship or something where you, you know, you always just have to give each other crap, which is why I enjoy doing this podcast. Like I said, it's uh, I get paid to like give you a hard time and that's, uh, I would, I would like to get, give you a hard time more often, but I actually get to do it with people listening now. So what a good time that is. Don't worry about my feelings. I'm cool. Oh, I don't. I, I, yeah, I definitely don't. That's very apparent. Yeah. Uh, I haven't completed the sensitivity training we're supposed to be doing at work yet. Have you? <laughs> no, no. Very clear on that one. <laughs> I'll be sure to get right on that. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, everybody, uh, we appreciate you as always for listening, and we will talk to you next time on the Terror Day.